on today's show. It was not easy at all for the Atlanta Hawks, but they were able to get over the finish line with a badly needed win at home over the Chicago Bulls on this Sunday evening, stopping a skid of six losses in their last eight games and needing overtime to do it. We'll have full breakdowns of what transpired in this one, including a memorable walk-off shot by a certain rookie, and we'll have all of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1367 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night on a Sunday evening into Monday here in mid-December. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And I also want to encourage you, as always, to make this podcast Locked On Hawks, of course, your first listen each and every day. Check out the podcast across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey app, and more on the audio side. And then, of course, we are also on YouTube if you'd like to watch us on video. And today's show will break down what became a very memorable, back-and-forth, crazy, miracle-driven win for the Hawks, 123-122 to 122 in overtime. The Hawks could have lost in regulation. In fact, the Bulls had a free throw to probably win the game in regulation and missed it. And then the Hawks had to survive a back-and-forth insanity in the overtime period that, of course, punctuated by, if you, I'm sure you saw it by now, if you, if you missed it in real time, A.J. Griffin on a walk-off bucket with the help from a nice design by Joe Prunty and the bench from the Hawks and also a nice pass by Jalen Johnson. Set it all up, and we'll get into all of what transpired in this game. But basically, uh, I, don't, I really don't like to put undue em- emphasis on one particular game in the regular season, especially in December. But the Hawks, and I said this before the game even started, this is a game the Hawks needed to win. And given the schedule and the way they've been playing recently, losing six of the last eight games, all the internal turmoil that got out of the media last week, um, a tough game, by the way, looming on Monday in Memphis on the second half of a back-to-back. Lots of different factors, but a winnable game that the Hawks played well enough to win in for most of it, uh, gave up a second-half lead once again. We were able to kind of uh, hold hold the fort in this one and get a victory. So we'll get into all of what transpired again, but like certainly a memorable one, and the Hawks now are back over 500. Even, even if briefly, if they are not able to win on Monday, that would be back down to 500. But certainly they're above that mark right now and uh, doing well at home this year as well at nine and five at State Farm Arena. Uh, As for the game itself, uh, it's important to note, at least for context sake, that the Bulls had a very tough spot here. I mentioned this on my written preview over at Patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. But this is a back to back with travel for Chicago, whereas the Hawks were home on Saturday. Obviously, they had to travel back from Brooklyn on Friday, but certainly a little bit of an advantage there. Also, the Bulls were without Alex Caruso in this game. Obviously, that's not quite the same impact as DeJounte Murray and John Collins, but the Bulls have not been very good without Caruso this year, which that, so that was definitely a nice surprise to see in terms of like actual winability. You never want to see a guy get injured, but certainly uh, made, made life easier for the Hawks on paper in this one. And then um, on the Hawks side as well, in addition to Murray and Collins still being out, they had two guys on the injury report, and it was Hunter and Okongwu. Both those guys ended up playing. Hunter was limited, as we did not necessarily know coming in, but certainly was not surprised to hear after the game was over from Nate McMillan. And then Kong actually played pretty well in this one. He was on the injury report with left foot soreness, ended up coming back and playing. Um, but online, our friends over there had the Hawks as three and a half point favorites at tip-off. And I hope if you're a Hawks fan and bet on that, you got the money line and not the uh, spread because they've not covered the spread in this game. But 
none of that matters in this instance. They obviously got the win and they badly needed time. So as for the starting lineup in this one, it was actually Trent Forrest, AJ Griffin, alongside Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella. I've talked about Hunter at the four lineups quite a bit over the last several months and really probably years at this point. Um, I will say, while those teams do not rebound and they did not rebound in this game even, um, this is a good matchup to use that small ball lineup because of a few different reasons. Number one, obviously no Collins, so Jalen Johnson not not starting, not, not the biggest deal in the world. Number two, um, the Bulls play small. They tend to have Patrick Williams at the four to start with, along with DeRozan, uh, Levine, etc. And the Chicago is also pretty bad on the offensive glass. Uh, now, that they, of course, made some dents on the glass in this game. But in general, I think they were 20, number 25 in the league coming into the night. And that offsets that biggest weakness of Hunter playing at the four. And also, starting Forrest gave them a defender on Zach Levine. Because part of the problem with the Hawks' wings right now, in the absence of Murray and with Hunter limited and also playing the four in this game, is that guys like Bogey and Griffin are not the best defenders in the world. So having uh, Trent Forrest to throw at Zach Levine was very helpful and uh, I think purposeful in this game. Um, they had a good, a good start, basically. Uh, both teams getting good looks early on. The Hawks were 5-8 from the floor in the early going. Rotationally, not a ton of surprises here. They went a little bit smaller on the rotation in the second half of this one. It was Bogey as the first sub for Hunter in this one as, it, as they kind of went a little bit smaller. they had uh, He actually had a three on the first possession when he came in. He was guarding DeRozan. And actually, that's not a bad matchup for, for Madonna necessarily. DeRozan is obviously a much better offensive creator than Bogey would like to be guarding, but Bogey, um, for all of his weaknesses defensively, which a lot of that has to do with foot speed at this point, he is big and physical and kind of knows what to do, which is not a good, not, not a bad situation to have against DeRozan in particular. They brought Joe Johnson back in. They brought Kongwu back in in his normal slot. By the way, it was his birthday today on Sunday, so happy birthday to a, to a Kongwu. He's 22 years old now. Um, Trey actually got banged up a lot in this one. He he got um, he was kind of slowing up in the first at the end of the first quarter, ended up coming out of the game earlier than usual. I think because he was banged up and kind of had a, a very hard fall. He uh, normally has been playing the entire quarter, so that was notable to see. He was holding the back of his head. Later on, he was banged up, and Nate McMillan did not really talk about Trey in particular, but he talked about a lot of guys being banged up. I think Trey was on that, on that list. They played both holidays in the first half. Uh, Justin did not play in the second half, though. They actually went, only played nine guys after halftime. Um, Jared Culver, though, out of the rotation, which was notable on some level. I'll just say this now. It didn't bother me as much as some Hawks fans who were like very mad about Culver not playing. I would have played Culver, honestly. I think I would have probably at least tried Culver over Justin Holiday. But uh, I think that um, Culver's offensive limitations are pretty evident at this point. If you watch the tape back, he's not being guarded, and that's definitely one of the problem areas there. Um, I would have maybe tried it just because it's been working decently enough, but because the Hawks have not been winning, that's sort of a, a little bit of a cover there to not go back with that. So uh, I'm not worried about that. I think that it's not like out of the ordinary to have Jarrett Colfer not be playing for the team right now as a two-way guy, but I think that I would have probably tried him at least one more time in this spot. The Hawks were down by five actually at the end of the first quarter because Kobe White hit a 35-footer at the buzzer um, to off the glass, by the way. Um, they actually held the Bulls in check defensively in the first quarter other than that bank three, and they did not allow a single free throw attempt before, before the end of the first quarter as well. But the offense was definitely struggling. They had 22 points on the first 24 possessions. That's a pretty bad ratio, obviously. They didn't shoot it terribly, but only two or four at the line and four turnovers in the first quarter. Um, after that, it was a it was the holidays, bogey, Jalen, and Okongwu start the second quarter. That, that lineup does not really work necessarily very well offensively. You have the two holidays and Jalen kind of just cramps your spacing a little bit and your creativity a little bit. Um, at any rate, it's kind of both ugly starts for both teams in the second quarter. Oh, there was a nice three-point play by Aaron Holiday, actually. 
Bogdanovich was awesome in this game once again, and he had a heck of a possession at like the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. He had a block on DeRozan defensively, which we'll come back to at the end of this game. Um, got the ball back after a kickout by Justin Holiday and went coast to coast for a layup in traffic. He was basically the best player on the floor for the first quarter and a half of this one and really was on the short list for the entire game. He was awesome in this game. He didn't play as many minutes in a row in this one, neither half, which definitely came back to uh, be a factor later on in this game. But he played a lot of minutes, once again, looked good. And uh, obviously he changes the Hawks roster, as I've been saying, quite a bit for the last several months. Akong went a nice three-point play, actually. Shortly after that, he actually made that shot over his head and was laughing about how it went in, basically. But Trey came back in his normal spot. They had a nice run mid-quarter to go up by, to go up by four points. And the Hawks led basically for two-plus quarters straight. Once they took the lead in the second quarter, they didn't give it back until very, very late in this game. Um, they stayed with the Kongwu longer than usual in the first half. I think with good reason. I think I think he played very well. Capella was fine too in the first half. I think Capella was better in the second half than Kongwu was. But in the first half, I was totally fine with the Kongwu rolling with it because he was playing very well. He was active both to the floor. He found some rhythm with McDonough in particular as a scorer. He had a nice steal. Did, did some decent rebounding chops against uh, Drummond. That's a bad match for him in some ways. But he played 12 minutes or so, and I had no problem with that whatsoever before he actually ended up sitting at the end of the quarter. And then the Hawks were up by 10, actually, at one point late in the first half. Only to be up by 8 at the break. It wasn't crazy either end of the floor. They had a 36-point second quarter. That's obviously a positive. They took, they, they took care of the ball in the second quarter, and they shot the heck out of the ball from two-point range. 65% from two-point range in the first half was definitely part of the, uh, the, the equation there. And Bogey had 17 points in 15 minutes before halftime. And the team had a nice passing half as well, 15 assists. Um, Trey did not shoot the ball well in the first half. He was at least under control as a passer and didn't force too much before halftime. And then defensively, the Hawks played well the entire game. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. We'll talk about the uh, second half in a moment. But certainly, the Hawks did some damage in the first half. They outplayed the Bulls. Their best quarter of the game was the second quarter by a large margin, and they were in a good position, which they had to kind of hold on to dear, dear life for later on in the game. But a lot of that work was done before halftime. All right, before we get to the second half of this game, as well as some uh, back and forth <laughs> chronicling of what transpired and some of my own evaluations, takeaways, et cetera, it worth more sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. And if you listen to this podcast for quite some time now, you may already know this, but I probably have too many jobs. And part of keeping up with everything that I need to is managing a lot of subscriptions. And sometimes it's actually really difficult to do. I have definitely forgotten to cancel some stuff on time on more than a few occasions, but that's not a problem for me anymore. And that's because I love using Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows you all the subscriptions that you have in one place. It cancels anything that you don't want to keep and they do it for you. Rocket Money, you can even find a subscription that you don't even know you were paying for. Or if you've been double charged for something, all of those painful things that really just kind of bother you, it's the worst. But Rocket Money cleans it up for you. And to cancel subscription, all you have to do is press cancel. Rocket Money actually takes care of the rest. Get rid of all of the unnecessary stuff and subscriptions and that you're looking for behind the scenes with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it can save you hundreds of dollars per year. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. All right, we'll dive in now in the second half of this one. And it was kind of a slog early in the third quarter. We got down to six at one point. There was actually a pretty monster dunk by Clint Capella, not known for his highlights necessarily on the offensive end of the floor. That was actually a pretty impressive throwdown. I thought he was awesome in the third quarter in general. Had a three-point play on the offensive glass after that. It was well off the rim on defense. Capella showing his value after halftime quite a bit in this game. Um, also by 12 points by the middle of the quarter. I thought Trent Forge was also quite good in the beginning of the third. Um there was kind of there was at least one bad shot by Trey. They probably didn't need, but it seemed like um, you know kind of just him pressing a little bit as, he, as he's been doing for a while now. That happened a few times in the second half, but other than that, it was pretty encouraging middle stretch of that third quarter. It was Trey plus the bench for the last three minutes or so of the third, and they had a speed bump after that. The Bulls got some offense rebounds. They, they, they were not quite getting the first half. 
Um, the Akongwu lineups were less effective on the glass in particular throughout the second half. Trey threw the ball away right, right into a three-pointer, and the Bulls got back within five at one point. Uh, there was a brilliant pass by Trey, actually, though, late in the third quarter to find a Kongwu for a layup to go back up by seven. But it was not a terrible quarter. They only shot 9-24 from the floor, which is probably the biggest problem. But they were able to kind of play through it and stay um, in a good position up by seven, despite the uh, not great offense in that period. In the fourth quarter, they turned the rotation down, as I said, as I said before. Justin in the second half, that was probably the right move, I thought. But they could not get a rebound late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. It was a Kongwu against Drummond. That's a bad matchup individually. It wasn't just that. I thought Joan Johnson had some struggle moments on the glass as well. Derek Jones Jr. got had a couple of big ones, and then he had one very, very late in the game we'll come back to in a second. But uh, it was a barrage of second-chance opportunities for the Bulls early in the fourth. A couple of jump shots that Hawks actually badly needed. Aaron Holliday hit one. Kongwu hit one in the mid-range. They went back, back to Trey a little bit earlier than usual. Kind of some urgency shown there by McMillan, which I, actually, I think was probably appropriate. At that, at that point, to not sit Trey as long as he usually sits. There was a big swing mid-quarter when DeRozan missed a pretty easy shot, and it led directly to a bogey three to put the Hawks back up by six points. But it was not comfortable, really, for any point after that. They A um, couple trips in the middle of there, empty-wise. They went back to Capella a little bit later than I would have. Um, they took bogey out for minutes, which is interesting because he ended up playing a lot after that. But they even admitted this after the game, and I had it in my notes during the game, that they – Probably didn't have, they didn't want to pull bogey at that point in time. I think Hawks fans were justifiably annoyed by that if they weren't considering the minutes restriction. And I think that Nate even kind of played into that. He said after the game, kind of in joking fashion, that Hawks fans were mad at him about taking bogey out. He had just made a three. He's playing great. But they were trying to keep him an eye on the minutes, of course. And then, then they blew by, they, they blew past that number anyway. So I'm not sure what to believe on that. I'm sure that um, the training staff does not love bogey playing well into 35, 36 minutes in this game. Uh, I also know that like any player wants to play. Um, so I've seen some of that too, like fans saying like, Bogey wants to play. I'm like, of course he does. Players want to play always. So you kind of have to stay there for themselves every once in a while, but I get it. It's overtime. I get all that. I hope they're being responsible with Bogey, but that's all, all I have on that one for now. Anyway, they had a chance to tie it. The Bulls did. Finally, with 4.30 to go, DeRozan ties the game. I thought the Hawks got a couple of bad whistles, even in their home building. Late in this one, uh, Trey got called for a very light foul on, the, on, a, on a Levine three-point play, and the Capella got called for one on DeRozan. That was a very bad call as well. That combination gave the Bulls the lead for the first time in two and a half quarters, basically. Uh, Bogey came back after that and played the rest of the game, basically. Um, Hunter tied it. The Hawks actually got four consecutive stops down the stretch, and that was kind of lost in the mix because of the offensive struggles that they had and the uh, the near loss. But they got a lot of stops late in the, late in the fourth quarter, which is pretty impressive, actually. They just weren't scoring. Trey finally got one uh, at the rim to take the lead. And then Trey finally made a three with about, mi- about a minute to go to put the Hawks in front. Um, he basically was not shooting well from three at that point and had not been for a while. But a big shot there, kind of just a star shot. Wasn't a great uh, look necessarily, just made it. And that's one of those things that, about having Trey Young on your team. He's going he's gonna to make some big shots for you. That was one of them. Out of the timeout, though, they allowed a dunk on a back door by Hunter kind of just falling asleep against DeRozan. And then Trey had an ISO after that. That was kind of a bad shot, honestly. Um, waited too long for a two-for-one, kind of just a, me- a mess of, of a possession. He misses it, and then that only has a two-second differential. For- fortunately, the Bulls went quickly. DeRozan drove, and one of the foul call didn't get one, and that puts the Hawks in a great spot because they get, they get a stop up by one, but it's 10 seconds to go, and they foul but they weren't in the bonus yet. So they fouled Trey, but unfortunately he wasn't going to the line. So Nate calls timeout to get a play in, to get the ball presumably to Trey. He's obviously the guy you want to get the ball to. They were not able to do that. 
they got they got it to Griffin who turned who turned the ball over. And obviously we'll get into it in a second. Griffin bailed that out at the end of the game, but uh, he turned it over at a very very bad time into a trap, and that led to a actually it was called a foul originally. Billy Donovan, the Bulls coach, uh, challenged it rightfully so was overturned, and that gave the Bulls the ball with eight seconds to go, and the Hawks only up by one point. They got to stop with DeRozan missing, but then Derrick Jones Jr. out jumps AJ Griffin for the rebound. Now that's two bad plays. Not bad necessarily plays by Griffin. Two noble plays. The turnover was not great. And then the rebound. Um, I'll say this about AJ, just kind of take my book a little bit here. I don't know why AJ was in the game there. So they took Trey off the floor. That's kind of one of those obvious things to do in that spot, up by one. Trey being the bad defender that he is, he was off the floor. But I don't know why AJ, while who I will say this, AJ's been pretty good defensively for a rookie wing. That's an important caveat. He's still a blue average defender. And I don't know why they didn't go with a Kong Wu or even go with Justin Holiday or something like that. Um, AJ would not have been on my list of guys that would have been out there. So that's notable. At any rate, they foul Jones Jr. Uh, at least they didn't give up a layup there. <laughs> but uh, he makes the first one, and I thought it was going to be over. 0.4 seconds to go. If he makes both, it's over. He makes the first one and then misses the second one to leave the door open for the Hawks. That was dodge bullet number one in overtime honestly more than number one because DeRozan missed a couple shots as well but that was the very obvious like he makes a shot and you lose no matter what and he didn't make it so there you go um two overtime it went uh bogey played the entire overtime again second game in the row they just kind of blew, blew that blew through the restriction entirely and uh i get it it's just one of those things also hunter was on was on a restriction in this game and they did not put him back in nate kind of talked about those guys going back and forth hunter played fewer minutes but it was not clear he was on restriction until that point. I knew once, at least I shouldn't say knew, I suspected strongly that as soon as the Hawks didn't put Hunter in the game on defense a couple times in the late periods that he was not available to play, and he was not available to play down the stretch. Um, Trent Force had a wonderful block on Kobe White that was huge um, when it looked like it was going to be a layup, honestly, from the Bulls. And then the Hawks were up by five in overtime. Gave up a couple layups, honestly. Uh, Clint Capella had a great finish, which is kind of shocking. He had to take like a whole dribble and two and two steps to finish. Did that. The Bulls had a chance. Sorry, the Bulls missed a jump shot and also had a chance to take a stranglehold of the game up by three and had two possessions. Forced on offensive rebound, but Trey took a pretty forced long three, misses it, and then the Bulls make a three right back side of the game with 22 seconds to go. So after all that, Trey takes a pretty shaky, like not great shot, makes it again because Trey is Trey. He's able to do that. And the Hawks go up to with one second remaining. Now, the craziest thing about this entire game is that there were seven points scored in the final second of the game. Because Trey makes a jump shot. And of course, they uh, the Bulls call a timeout. I, I, by now you've probably seen this play. But DeRozan gets fouled by Bogey, shooting a three down two with a half second to go. It was reviewed. Nate did not challenge. Now, I will say this because I'll, I'll be honest about it. I thought Nate should have probably challenged the play. And I said this much on Twitter. I know that at, at the end, at the end of the game, it, it worked, it quote unquote worked out that the Hawks had two timeouts left and actually had to use both of them because the first play and the out of bounds play didn't work and they had to call timeout again and they had to use both those timeouts. But I thought that still they should have challenged it. Um, and it was not, I, I know, I know there was people were saying that it was reviewed. It was reviewed to see if, a, the shot, the, the foul was called before the end, of the end of the of the quarter, and B, whether it was a three. It was not reviewed for whether it was a foul or not. Now it was a foul, I, I think, but it was one of those things where usually you would see a timeout there just because they had two left and your challenge. You're probably gonna use your challenge at any point. But anyway, it worked out for them. I'll say that. I thought they probably should have challenged it. No big deal. Uh DeRozan 
being a, a much better shooter than Derek Jones Jr. Makes all three, and the Hawks are in need of a miracle. I even said that on Twitter in, in real time. I said the Hawks are down one, half second to go, and need a miracle, and they got one. Um, so they come back out. Trey tries to inbound, can't get it in. They call timeout and smartly take Trey off of the inbounds pass. He's, he's just too small for that role. You can't see everything that you need to see, et cetera. And then Nate said this, and I think Bogey did as well from what I saw on Twitter. He, uh, they all acknowledged that it was Joe Prunty that called this play. Uh, and I'll, actually, it's making around. I think Kevin Schnard shared this tweet as well. I'm not sure exactly who it came from, so my apologies. But Joe Prunty ran a similar action, a very similar action, seven years ago, actually, um, and called this same play. It worked, it worked beautifully once again. I'm sure you've seen it, but if you haven't, go find it. Um, Jalen Johnson uses his size. Great setup, great pass, great delivery. AJ gets a one-on-one matchup, catches, gathers, goes up, finishes it, clearly before the buzzer, and that is the end of that. Now, the Bulls did them a favor, I thought, in not having someone in playing in the middle. They could have played zone there. They were not they, – they, I don't know why they didn't do that with a half second to go. So that was a break on the Hawks' part. But uh, a nice execution all the way through from the pass to the catch to the finish, et cetera. And uh, I was surprised, actually, they didn't, they didn't have Clint Capella on the floor at that point because just for a lob threat. But it worked out great because there was nobody there to uh, have A.J. kind of dive to the rim. And uh, it was obviously A.J.'s second – walk-off bucket of the season there was the one that came from trey earlier in the year and yeah just a lot of fun across the board uh it was a maniac kind of game it was there was a lot happening in this game uh the hawks again could have lost multiple times they could have won more comfortably if they had played better at different times um they certainly should send a gift basket Derek jones jr for missing a free throw at the end of regulation to keep the game alive but uh you know bogey makes a foul that he can't make even nate said after the game like bogey's a vet he knows not to do that and he just kind of overcontested on DeRozan, and he drew the foul, and it was it was what it was. But fortunately, nobody panicked. Half second to go, you draw something up, execute it, and you win the game. So after all that, we'll get into the individual breakdown stuff and my overall like team stats and takeaways in a second. But uh, definitely a heist of a victory, and uh, they tried to lose it in certain at certain points. They were up by twelve in the second half, but uh, a win is a win is a win, and they all count the same at the end of the day. All right, we'll have some more broad analysis and takeaways in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, every potential hire that you're making, if you like a high-six wager for yourself and your small business, you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available to you. And that's why I've checked out LinkedIn Jobs right now. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've had to hire a few times in the last few years. And LinkedIn Jobs has proven to be an awesome resource for me. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post at LinkedIn Jobs, and they have high-quality candidates that you need to make, locate and make the best possible hire for your business. And once you're set up, add your job, a purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs has simple tools like screen questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience that you're actually looking for and helps you to quick, quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hopefully hire for your business. Finish out the year strong and find the right team member by doing all of this. And it's really a key thing to do. And that's using LinkedIn jobs. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs also helps you find, helps you find the right candidates. They're qualified that you actually want to talk to and they help you to do it faster and they help you to do it for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and the offense was not fantastic in this game for the Hawks. It was a 110 offensive rating. That's not, that's not too bad, actually. It's a little bit below average, not by a ton. They shot well on twos, 58% inside the arc in this one. There were 13 of 39 on threes. That's actually a good number of attempts. Didn't make a lot of them. 
uh, along the way. Uh, basically, everybody other than Bogey did not shoot great in this game. But they have 20, 28 assists, 15 turnovers. That's a good ratio. They won the turnover battle in this game effectively. Um, they basically did nothing on the glass, and the free throw line was just kind of so-so. But they did enough offensively. It was not pretty. They're going to need more from certain guys. You know, for as much as there was a lot of talk about AJ Griffin, he was not terribly good on offense in this game until the end. Uh, Trey had a weird game, good passing game, and a bad shooting game. Um, Bogey was uh, again awesome, but they're going to need a little bit more offensively in, on a lot of nights. But in this game, the defense was very, very solid. A 109 defensive rating in the game. That's a number that you have to take in the modern NBA and be pretty good with. The Bulls did shoot well from two, but they were 727 from three in the game. They didn't give up a ton of free throw attempts. They forced 19 turnovers. That led to more than 20 points. That was a huge swing in the game as well. The one area that where they did not play well defensively was on the glass. And again, that is the um, caveat of how small they are playing. Even with Capella, who's a superhero, you could argue Capella is maybe the best rebounder in the entire league. He is that good. And not even he can carry a lineup that has basically Trey, Hunter, and Griffin. And, Fred, and Trent Forrest is more like point guard sized. That foursome, along with Capella, is not going to be tenable to rebound the ball. And then Jalen, not been great necessarily on the glass. Um, Bogey's helpful. Akongu was actually pretty good in this game individually in certain aspects, but they have some rebounding questions without Collins. They're going to play as small as they were in this game. But anyway, they did enough in this spot. To the individual players in this game, uh, the bench was interesting in that two guys had like almost all of the production, and it was Bogey and Okongwu. Justin Holiday, kind of just a blah, five minutes, took one shot, had a block shot, but was scoreless. I agree with him not playing in the second half. Joan Johnson struggled, I thought, was not great, but obviously the pass was executed perfectly at the end of the game. That was a huge feather in his cap, had four rebounds, had an assist. I don't think he played well overall, but uh, obviously always forgotten based on that pass. Um, Aaron Holiday had some nice minutes, I thought, overall. He was 2-2 from the floor, made his only three-point attempt, six points, a rebound, and a steal. He wasn't great, but he was fine. Uh, Akangwu, I thought, played really well in the first half. Not as well in the second half, but still totally fine. 14 points, nine rebounds, had a steal, had an assist. A couple nice flashes. Him and Bogey have some good chemistry going on right now, and I thought he uh, was definitely a plus on the whole. And then Bogey was just fantastic, again. He played a lot of minutes. Hopefully he's uh, health-wise okay. Uh, it would not stun me if he was not able to go on Monday, just one of those back-to-back kind of things, but we'll see. Um, 28 points on 23 June possessions. That's obviously great. He was only four of eight on twos, which is actually just fine, but six of 14 on threes. He is getting threes up at a high level. I love that. That's a huge part of the appeal of Bogey. Also seven rebounds, five assists. Um, had a block shot on DeRozan early in the game. And uh, other than the uh, the one foul at the end that was definitely a costly one, I thought Bogey was fantastic once again. Uh, to the starters, Trent Forrest, just doing his job. He's not going to be a, a headline grabber necessarily, but seven points on six shots, had two assists, three rebounds, did a good job defensively on Zach Levine, bothered him throughout the game. He was Levine was fine, but Forrest was definitely good on him, I thought, and uh, just moves the ball, had two blocks, just doing little stuff that I, that I enjoy on the floor. Hunter came back in this game and was definitely helpful. Um, 16 points on 13 shots is fine on offense, not great. Three rebounds is not fantastic, but two two assists. Uh, he was limited by minutes and definitely uh, would have been playing in the overtime if he was allowed to. So that's something to keep an eye on as well for a guy who just missed a week and a half with a hip flexor. Um, the three guys who um, probably the most high profile in this game, Capella, Griffin, and Young, besides, of course, Bogey, uh, who we already talked about. Uh, we'll start with Capella. 15 points, 14 rebounds, had a steal, had a block. Uh, he missed a bunny early, but he was 7-9 from the floor, including a couple of huge dunks. Uh, a pretty typical Capella game this year. He's been really good all year long, and that was the case in this game. Anchoring things on both ends of the floor, playing well, 
Uh, I'm not sure what else to add. He was excellent in this game as he's been most of the season. Um, AJ, of course, had the big bucket at the end. Actually didn't shoot it all that well. He was actually 2 11 from three in this one. Had a, a bunch of like good looks in the fourth quarter, actually. He's, he's been a little bit of a slump in recent days from three. Um, I'll say this now. I don't think that's going to continue. I think AJ has uh, already kind of shown to be a heck of a shooter. But this is his last, uh, I think it's, yeah, last five games. Two of five, three of nine, one of eight, one of five, and two of 11 from three. So he's kind of in a slump. Right now, he's shooting like 26% or something like that, maybe even below that in the uh, in the month of December. So not like it's all rainbows, but I thought he played well overall. Just didn't have his shots go, out, go down in this one, um, but had two assists, two rebounds, and of course the biggest shot of the game. Played 40 minutes, and that was appropriate, honestly. Like with the way that Hunter is limited, the way that Bogey is limited, at least a little bit by minutes, they got to play Griffin a lot. Uh, defensively had some struggles, but not, nothing terrible. I thought he played well and that was under control and he's being confident and getting shots up and I am okay with AJ bombing away, and he was in this game. 25 three-point attempts from Bogey and Griffin. You love to see it. Um, and lastly was Trey. So Trey had a mixed bag kind of game. 19 points on 22 shooting possessions is not particularly good. He still just cannot make a three for whatever reason. Uh, I know he made the one at the very end of the game that was huge, but he is now 9 of 49 from three. In the last six games, that's a very, very bad number. And also like 28% for the season. It's just not been going very well for Trey from three. Uh, he's only three of 10 on twos in this game as well. He, he was not efficient at all as a scorer, but he did have 14 assists. And a lot of those passes were just fantastic Trey Young level passes. Um, six giveaways is too many, but not like crazy, crazy high for someone with his usage. 42 minutes. Um, I think defensively, it was kind of a weird one for him as well. Like early in the game, I thought he was pretty active, like as a playmaker defensively, but some of the like normal Trey mishaps were happening too. So I don't think Trey like played great by any means, but I don't think he was necessarily as bad as the numbers indicate as a shooter. Um, but the shooting is a problem. And I, I was talking with somebody during the, during the game about this on Twitter, and I'm not trying to pick on Trey. Like I am someone who certainly thinks that Trey can and does have a positive impact, even when he's not making shots. But at the end of the day, he's this is 27 games in a season. He's missed two of them, the 25 games in a season. He has not made shots. And he he's not as good of a player as he so far this year as he usually is because he's not making shots. Like he's basically has a, a career worst efficiency and that you can't just paper over. I think it's going to improve. I'm not worried about it. But he, he got banged up in this game as well. It would not surprise me at all if he was on the injury report for Monday because Nate talked about it sort of in broad terms about more, more than just Trey. But he was very obviously beaten up a good amount in this one. So we'll see if he's eligible to play on Monday and all that stuff. But I thought he uh, at least gave them some big moments. And even when he didn't have his best, he made two big jumpers at the end of the game that uh, probably should have won it in regulation for the Hawks, but they were not able to uh, steal it. And alas, here we are. Okay. That's enough on this game from me. I've been ranting and raving for hours at this point, it seems like, but I'll just say briefly as we look ahead to Monday night's game, it's a very tough spot. The Grizzlies uh, are playing the Hawks in Memphis and it's the fourth game of a homestand for Memphis. They have not played since Friday. So a huge rest advantage from, for the Grizzlies, plus home court. They haven't had to travel, and the Hawks have to go late night after overtime up to Memphis. Also, Memphis has won five in a row. They are 17-9. and nine. That's the top five record in the league. Um, the Hawks are going to be underdogs. Barring some crazy change to the injury report that game on Monday, the Hawks are going to be significant underdogs, I think, in that game on paper. Now, nothing is assured by any means. Uh, Memphis, and uh, I believe I'm looking at Memphis' injury report right now for the game on Monday. Um, 
Desmond Bain is still out for the Grizzlies, which is definitely notable. He's one of their better players. And they have three guys listed as questionable, including John Morant. So that's one of those things that could swing things a little bit. Ja is questionable with right thigh soreness. And then Steven Adams is questionable with right ankle soreness. Jake Laravia with left foot soreness. So if all those guys were out, playing field would be a lot, a lot more leveled. But um, on paper right now, the Hawks are underdogs in this game. We'll see how that, see how that, all, that, go, all, that, how that all goes. I can't talk at the end of this podcast. But after all that, the Hawks needed this one badly. And that's part of the reason why. Not, not just because they might lose on Monday, but because they just could not get a win seemingly in recent days. And the schedule does let up starting Wednesday. But until then, we'll see how things go on Monday. We'll have a full breakdown of the game as always after that is over from, uh, I believe it's a little bit of a later start. It's 8 o'clock start on Monday night. So stay tuned for all that stuff. But yeah, a, a roller coaster night for the Hawks. A lot of emotions after the game. A walk-off from the two young guys. That's always fun to see from Jalen and AJ. And they get a win over a competent opponent, yes, at home, but uh, one they had to get. And we'll get into all of what is sort of transpiring in the future on, a, on, our, on our next podcast or two. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. I definitely appreciate all the support on the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, Google Play, all that stuff, plus YouTube on the video side. Please follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BTRoll. I'm also writing about the Hawks, patreon.com slash BTRoland. And without further delay, I will get out of here. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll see you guys after the game on Monday.